0: Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Morning. Morning. Everyone good? Sun is shining. It's a little bit warm. Summer's returned. What's going on? Good old British weather. Hope everyone's well. Hope everyone's had a great week. And as Tyler's just said, we are going over the month of September. We're looking at a series called Made For More, and we're uh, going to be unpacking what this looks like over the next uh, few weeks, as well as in our life group as well. And so this morning, is a great privilege to open up. Um, and I've kind of taken that Made For More, and I'm going to change it to be the title of what I'm sharing this morning, which is Designed For More. And this is what we're going to be unpacking this morning. So if I were to ask you, this question. What percentage of all things are designed, what would be your answer? hundred yeah. percent? I hear hundred, do I hear anything else? <laughs> I'll say ninety-nine to be different. Ninety-nine just to be different, I like that, yeah. Do I hear a ninety-nine point five? You see, I would actually, myself, I would be in your camp Samantha. I would say, in my mind, I would say all things has some sort of design process behind it. Even from the things we use on a daily basis, like your household items, like your iron, your kettle, your toast, toaster, sorry, not your toast, your toaster, um, has a design process behind it. Even the cars that we drive, or the motorbikes that we ride on. (laughs) has has a design process behind it. And even if you look beyond that, if you look at nature itself, if you look at how flowers are formed, the trees, there is a design process when you look closely at it. Look at your bodies. Look at how our bodies function. I would say that there's a design process behind it. Now, I went to the book that is all books in trying to understand what design means and which is the dictionary and um, it had several meanings behind it and I've got we've got a powerpoint this morning just for our own benefit look at this and so there are a few definitions of design that I pulled up the first being the purpose of planning that exists behind an action fact or object the act of preparing the plans for a work to be executed or preparing to put something into motion, or the one which really resonates with me to intend for a definitive purpose. So as we've, as I just shared, I I think all things have a ha, have a design process behind it. There is, there is a purpose behind that design. And with this understanding, I want to extend this to the church. When we look at the church. I believe there is a design process behind who we are, about who, what the church is meant to be. And so this morning, we're going to unpackage a, quite a lengthy passage that um, comes from Paul. He spoke to the church in Corinth, and it's a passage I believe we're all fam- familiar with, and he gives an analogy of what the church, um, church should be. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. Now, I've saved you time. I've also prepared a PowerPoint for this as well, so you can follow along with me. But this is what Paul says. He says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. There is a lot of weight in those verses, and there's a lot there. And I'm going to do my best to just unpackage a few thoughts for us to, to mull over, to dwell over, but also apply. Because I believe the word is not just to to be heard, it's to be lived out, it's to be applied. It's one thing to know it, it's a different thing to live it out. And so today I'm going to encourage us, challenge us to, to move in the word this morning. So like I said, there are three things that I want us to look at, a few things that I want us to look at. And the first is, from that first time, Paul says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. We are designed to be a unit. We are not designed therefore to be lone rangers, to go it alone, to put our backpack on and go into the wild with no one else, but we are together to be imitators of the one who advocated the way. I heard, I wasn't here last week, um, I was having a week off, but I heard Robin shared a fantastic message looking in the book of Hebrews. And we prayed in it this week Um, in our monthly prayer meeting, and it's a fantastic passage that says, let us, all these let us, let us not give up meeting together, let us draw near to God, let us spur one another on. And there's all these statements of let us, not let one or let you or individual, it's a collective call, let us. And so there's this whole Understanding that is not one, it's us together. It's a unit. You see, when we look at the collective church, and we have it, we have great connection with other churches in this town. Um, And I hear often one thing that is prayed for for a lot when we, the times when we've met together and prayed, and that is unity. That we all need to have the same goals, be on the same page, work together, have a united output. And I say these are all good things to want, that we are one church. doesn't matter where we are across the globe, we are one in him, in God. Our desire as the collective church is to resemble Christ. Now Paul, in various other places, referred to this in Philippians 2.4, He stated, each of you should look not to your own interest, but also the interest of others. It's not your own interest, but also others. We care for each other. He also advocated Jesus' example in Galatians 5.13 by making the statement that we must serve one another in love. Not serve just ourselves, but serve each other. There is, though, a great plot twist. That I discovered in this opening statement that Paul makes. Though Paul makes a comparison of the church to the human body, it is not to highlight the need for unity, but rather its need for diversity. I'm going to break this down. Diversity amongst members, I'm just going to say, I think is an essential part of a unified body. It's important to be one, but there's got to be diversity for that body to function. That's why Paul makes that statement, the body is a unit, it is made up of many parts. He doesn't, doesn't look at that statement. The body is a unit, it is made up of many parts. It's a statement. We are one in him, but we are not all the same. For me, I'm like, amen. Amen. We're not all the same. On one hand, we're a unit, one in Christ. On the other hand, we are many parts that make up that unit. The church is not designed to have unity towards everybody having the same function, to look the same, to be the same, to work the same, but the church is rather designed to be diverse. There must be diversity. in a spiritual church, if not, I believe that its design purpose would fail if we're all the same. Look what Paul said, if we're all an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? So we were designed, therefore, second point, to be different. Even though some parts may seem more prominent than others, they cannot function alone. For this body, for us to function as our full potential, for us to step in to what God has for us in the upcoming seasons, each part must be operating at its full capacity. I want to make the statement now that I believe comparison is a killer of potential. When we let comparison in, now this could be in different ways. It could be we could compare ourselves to other people. Or we can compare them to us. Or even as churches, we can compare churches with other churches, and we're not like that church, and we're not like that church. I think it's a killer of potential. When we let that comparison in, we are on one of two sides. We are either saying we're not good enough for any significant purpose, or we're saying that no one is as good as I am, or no one is as good as we are. Paul tackles this in this analogy at the body. Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. No, for that reason, it does not cease to be a part of the body. It's still a part, it's still a vital part. And if the ears should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Did you pick up on Paul's humour in this passage? If the, It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? For me, there's humor in this passage. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He's tackling an issue that was pre- pre- present there, and he's making a very important point. If we're an ear, where, how could we see? But likewise, if we were all eyes, how could we hear? He's saying that we all must do our different parts. I came across different um, theologians that look into this passage. And one of them made a statement, and it's quite a uh, bold statement. i would say bold, it kind of hits the nerve when I heard it. It's to deny one's own place or function in the body because it is not like another part is foolishness. To deny one's own place or function in the body because it is not like another part is foolishness. And from this, what resonated with with me is, and from what Paul said is that, do not allow comparison to kill your potential. If we allow comparison in, we're basically selling ourselves short because we're not seeing ourselves how God sees us because we are all designed to be different. We were designed to be more but also we must not deny others. Paul again makes this statement to not, to not say, I don't need you. The eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you, or the hand, I don't need you, or the head to the feet, I don't need you. Everybody has a different function and everybody has different qualities. We are not, we are not the same. We have different parts. We are different parts. And God has designed us to be different for a reason. And so when I look at God, we must understand that he is sovereign, first and foremost. And in that sovereignty, he places each member of the body as he has chosen. He has the final say. And for me, that's okay. God, you have the final say. All I've got to understand is how you've designed me embrace it and step into it yeah. we must concentrate on using the abilities we received rather than longing to be different or insisting on doing things that we weren't designed to do now can can you imagine if we are all the same right just as an example can you imagine if there were a hundred toms on this stage right now I'm going to say it will be a disaster. (laughs) For one, there will be a hundred of us on stage with a guitar looking at each other saying, who's starting the song? (laughs) It just wouldn't work, would it? Can you imagine there are a hundred Tylers? Well, actually, he may not mind that because they'll be rocking up to church and all their bikes, wouldn't they? (laughs) Biker go. (laughs) The foot will always be the foot, even though it desires to be a hand right? The hand will always be a hand even though it desires to be a foot but this is what we must understand. The hand can't do what the foot does and the foot can't do what the hand does. The eye cannot do what the ear does nor can the ear do what the eye does. They were designed to be different but they're designed to do something significant. as they function in their their strengths, they are a powerful force. And likewise, I want to extend to us that encouragement that if we step into what we are designed for, understanding that we are different, if we embrace that and function in that, function in our strengths, we are a powerful force for the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you with that. Don't sell yourself short. Don't allow comparison to come in. Embrace who you are in him. You possess something that no one else has to offer, and it's significant. So we understand, as a collective, we are designed to be a unit, right? And in understanding that we're designed to be a unit, we understand that actually we can't all be the same. We're Diversity must be there, so of course we understand we're designed to be different. So then understanding that we're all designed to be different leads us on to the third thing, that then we're each designed for a purpose. There is only one you. Thank you. Amen. There is only ever going to be one you that lives in this moment, in this period of time, right now. What you do, who you are in this moment matters. Right? There's never ever going to be another Thomas Currier living in this period of time. That feels like a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's like, and it's true, maybe there should be that pressure in the sense of like, well then it matters what I do in this moment. When we look throughout Scripture we see how what God designed was designed for a purpose. In Genesis one27 to 28, you see this great passage of God's creation, and he created male and female, were made in the image of God, but they were designed for a purpose, to be fruitful and increase in number, to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground, they weren't designed just to sit back, relax, and enjoy. They were designed to fulfill a purpose. In Ephesians 2.10, we know this passage, but let's really embrace this passage. It says, for we are God's, do you know it? What's the word? Workmanship. We are God's workmanship, in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. One verse, and so much encouragement, we are God's workmanship. You, you are God's workmanship. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And the great thing is, he's already prepared those things, we've just got to step into those things. We are designed for a purpose. In Psalms 139, I love this psalm, 13 to 16, it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen to those words, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's just amazing. Before we came to be, God saw us. And God knew our potential. When we look in Paul's word, he makes... What Paul says, sorry. He makes a great statement when he breaks down the different parts. And he makes a statement that says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, he uses a very powerful word, which is, they are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. See, the problem in the Church of Corinth and I think can be sometimes a problem in churches, even today, dare I say, is that some parts are seen as more important than others. Some parts are advocated more than others. And what Paul was saying by giving this analogy is saying that all parts are significant. And even those that seem weaker, they are indispensable. They are fundamental to how the body functions Now, when I, we we posted up, you can put, Giovanni, if you want to put up that image of the made for more up, we put these posters up around the church uh, a few weeks ago and it drew a lot of intrigue from some people and I had a few people coming up to me saying, what was your uh, thought process behind the design of this? And there is a reason for it. People said, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a beehive. And if you said that, I say you're correct. There's a reason for that. When we look at honeybees, this is my own analogy now. Paul uses the body, I'm using honeybees. In making their hive, honeybees make hexagons because the six-sided shape fit perfectly together. It's a very useful shape. If, they, if it were to be circles, it wouldn't work very well because there will be gaps. Unuseful gaps. And you're thinking, well, they could use triangles and they could use squares. But the hexagon is the strongest and the most useful shape because it's scientifically and mathematically proven that the geometry of the shape uses the least amount of material to hold the most weight. Hexacons, hexagons and honeycomb shapes are useful also in building materials and designs. If you look at building materials used today and designs, you look, you look at under a, a microscope, you will see, you may see little hexagons. Because it gives extra strength, but it can also handle a lot of force, even if they're made out of lighter material. So when you look at the hives that these honeybees make, They are also the most naturally sanitized and clean spaces, as honeybees all have their own part to play in their community. Some collect pollen, some construct the hive, some clean it, some feed and tend to the larvae, tend to the queen, or some simply keep guard. But they all do their part. And as I say, in referring to the church of Corinth, they believed that some parts were more important than others. But when we understand God's design for the church, we can understand that each part is significant, each part is fundamental. There's not one part that is greater than others. They all function together for the same purpose. And so my encouragement to us as a church this morning is that we may not think that we have a lot to offer. Or we may actually think that, actually, I don't know why... I don't know what my strengths are, or i thinking, this is not that great, or what I do have is insignificant. You know, I'm not a hand, I'm not an eye, therefore I'm not important. But in God's eyes, in his design, what we think is insignificant for in God's kingdom carries a lot of weight. What you think may be insignificant, it carries a lot of weight. And when we step into it, it will enable the whole body to function at a greater level and help reach its full potential. We are designed for more. And it's designed for more in the sense of like, not just to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. We are designed to be different. And in being different, that means we all have a significant part to play. When we understand that, when we step into that, we are stepping into even greater potential as a church. You see, we can't do it on our own. We need each other. And if we all do our parts, every part will function even greater than they were before. And so I want to encourage you today as, we, as we've opened up, we are designed for more. There is a design process behind you, and there is only one you. God has seen you, He is woven you together. You are fearfully and wonderful, wonderfully made, but also there are good works that you can step into. And you may think, I'm not able, but God says, You may not think you're able, but what you are able to do is significant. You are indispensable, you are fundamental. And if we embrace that and step into it, I believe we're going to step into even greater potential as a church. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at or check out our website at www.centre-church.uk